Hi, this is Sanford Green, comic book illustrator and character designer for Warner Brothers and Marvel Entertainment, and you're listening to Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Today with us we have Elric Soul's draining sword, Mike. What's up? We have the most powerful technological weapon in the universe, Green Lantern's Ring, with Ross. Hello. We have the helmet that holds the consciousness of Navu, Dr. Fate's helmet, with Curtis. Hello. And the person who keeps us on track, keeps us in line, the magic lasso of Wonder Woman, with Steve. <laughs> I don't have anything to say to that. And the keeper of Orko's magic hat, Rob. I, I, I can do magic with my hat. Pretty sure you just keep that. You don't actually have to use it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sadder that way. What does Orko look like without his hat? It's a good question. Just a black ball. Some mysteries that you'll never know. An awful lot like a Jawa. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. What does a Jawa look like without his hood? An awful lot like Orko. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> It's a giant circle. Uh, oh my god. I was starting to think of that Martian guy from the cartoons. An awful lot like Marvin the Martian. Yes. It's they might just, all be the same person. It's quite, have you seen them together? Nope. He's a very versatile actor. Really? Remember that is. Oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> Dang it. Oh my god, alright. We've got all kinds of things. High pitched voice? I, he does have yeah. kind of a high-pitched voice. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I don't... Where's Craig the only time you needed him? Mm. <sighs> Craig. Playing with fish. That's true, he is. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's uh, see books here. We have uh, Superior Iron Man number two. Then uh, Blood Moon number one. Wolf Moon. Wolf Moon. Wolf Moon number one. Dang it, what episode is it? <laughs> you're thinking about You're thinking about the DC thing. Oh, man. So we're doing episode what? 47. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, my God. That no, that's right. Yeah, that's the right number. Uh, so, okay, gosh. So, so comic books. God, man. <laughs> Superior Iron Man number two. B Wolf Moon. <laughs> Damn it. Wolf Moon number one. Hellboy and the BPRD, 1952, number one. Justice League 3000 number 12. 12. And then Angela, Assassin of Asgard, number 1. Man, it took a lot harder to get through than it should have been. Took a lot harder. Wow, <laughs> man. They're very long names. Not, not, yeah, well, yeah, there's. Yeah. The, the shortest one is Wolf Moon. <laughs> you screwed that up. I can't I yeah, am, man. Uh, well, the cover's covered. It's all red and blood and the whole. Then the cycle thing, God, man, it's terrible. Right? Okay, so oh, terrible. <sighs> Let's open up with uh, a little bit of news from Ross and the Doc Pile. God damn it! <laughs> we got first Ross. Uh, probably the biggest thing was we got the cast of Suicide Squad movie. Oh, really? Yep. We got Joker as, or Jared Leto as the Joker. I think it's Jared Leto, but okay. Jared Leto, yeah. Leto, Leto, whatever. Magneto, Magneto. It's the same thing. 
is a potato potato. Yeah. That was who was rumored to be the Joker for like the past month now. Yeah, so. I think we might have talked about that a little bit last week. Yeah, no, not a huge surprise there. Same with Harley Quinn, who is being played by Margot Robbie. Do you? Yep, that should be good. And then Deadshot, who is being played by Will Smith. Yeah, which is the Fresh Prince. Yep. An odd choice. Dun, 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 and Mike Flagg being played by Jesse Jeff. All right, this makes sense now. Awesome. Perfect. Apparently, Jazzy Jeff is actually Tom Hardy in this case. <laughs> Tom Hardy will be playing the part of Jazzy Jeff. That's Rick Flair. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I was born in the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, Captain Boomerang is Jai Courtney. Okay. Enchantress, Enchantress, who I thought was kind of a crazy part for this movie that's in general. That's a pick, yeah. yeah. That's so they can tie it to probably Thor or something like that. Is Thor. Thor. Justice League Dark, maybe? Oh, that's what I meant. Yeah. Okay. Kara, I have no idea how to pronounce her last name. As long as it's not Zarel, because otherwise it's that's not. just a troll. De La Vinge? Hmm. Mm. Could be. <laughs> and then Lex Luthor is Jesse Eisenberg, who we knew that from. We'll see, we'll see him first in the Batman versus whatever we're mm. calling it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Batman, not Man is still two, but Donna Batman versus. So obviously Superman. Lex Luthor will survive that movie because he's going to be in this one. Yeah. This is going to be a prequel. I actually don't think he's going to be the enemy even in. Huh. Batman versus Superman yet. Well, mm-hmm. and and although I would like to continue to see Superman like cave in the faces of his enemies, I, I'm thinking that's probably not going to be the case. Yeah, probably not. So <laughs> that's unfortunate. I don't think we really have to worry about like Lex getting his head smashed in or anything. You know, <laughs> I th- I think that Zod was a special exception. Well, Zack Snyder, you just never know. This is true. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, actually, okay, uh, they finished filming. The Batman vs. Superman. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a wrap. Everybody yep. survived? Apparently. That's good. Um, have, have they announced a director at all for Suicide Squad? Yeah. David Ayers. Okay. Same guy that did Training Day and... Oh, yeah, we, yeah, we, we, we talked, talked about, about that last week, yeah. 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 Our last episode. Yep. What did they uh, say about Amanda Waller on their roster? Uh, that's the one you're waiting for. And apparently, Amanda Waller, they haven't decided who it is, but there are three potential actresses that we've heard about. Oh, yeah? One of them is Viola Davis. Okay. Uh, the other one is... Octavia. Octavia Spencer. Okay. And then apparently Oprah Winfrey is the third right. option. Right. <laughs> you know, it might not be a bad bad yeah, Curtis came up with a better one. Who's CCH that? Pounder. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. You're talking about yeah, yeah. perfect. I, I agree. She's already she's kind of played that role in the Shield, but I think she could. Yeah, that CCH there. Pounder. I could see her. I could see her playing that part. Be cool. Hmm. Is it? Maybe it's just me, but does does this strike anybody else as odd that this is the next step? Like Suicide Squad? You know, I think it's probably because Guardians of the Galaxy did so good that they're kind of like, well, we'll try to do something that's a little bit off the beaten path and we'll include Harley Quinn and Joker, so. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, draw-wise they're the only two that are, like, well-known general community-wise. I mean, I guess you kind of have Amanda Waller if you think about the Justice League cartoons, but in that case it's open fodder for everybody for the most part. I mean, they've got a version of her in Arrow, 
I, I guess. But movie world and comp and TV show world aren't supposed to touch. So, I don't know, it is a little weird. But yeah, trying to use Joker and Harley Quinn without doing a Batman movie, what else are you going to do? Yep. I'm positive that that's the main reason why they're doing it. Right. <laughs> Just kind of have something that's a little bit more niche Yeah. See how they draw people in. Yep. I, I hope that this kind of works out. I, I'm really worried about Warner Brothers because they get very gun-shy with the immediate success stuff. Like, if it doesn't immediately take off, they crumple back. Yeah. So, I don't know. Hopefully this will be, hopefully this will be a good take. Yeah. And it sounds like they have a pretty big plan for it. Now that they've told everyone what their plan is, I have a feeling like they'll have a hard time just stepping out of whatever. You know, because it's one thing when you don't announce what movies you're doing. It's another when you announce them all, like, ten years in advance. Right, what, do we have a year for this thing? 17, I think. Hmm. Uh, August of 2016. Oh, oh okay. There you go. Good night. <laughs> right on. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, that's, a, that's interesting. Yeah. We also had the Star Wars trailer come out. Oh, yes. right, yeah. Which, that was pretty crazy. Happy, there's good batch of trailers that came out this whole week. Star yeah. Wars. Terminator. Terminator, which is freaking awesome. You say it's awesome. <laughs> I think it'll work out. It's in pretty the good. Scheme of things, but <clears throat> old Arnold versus young Arnold. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, anything will be better than Terminator Four. Salvation. Three. No, three. Rise of the Machines. Yeah. yeah. Oh. oh. Salvation. Actually, that was pretty good. Well, I actually, I don't, that was the last one I watched. Was Rise of the Machines. Oh yeah, Terrible. you didn't watch Salvation. No. I should go over to Salvation. It'll definitely wash out that taste. I might. I might. <laughs> and it has Chekhov in it, so. Doesn't really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Chekhov uh, plays it. He's not John Connor. He's uh, No, I think he's Reese. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Batman is John Connor, and he's Reese. So you were talking about Reese earlier? I had no idea who that was. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. Oh, wow. You know, it took me a second to remember who he was, actually, by name. Oh, my like, God, man. I know oh. who he is, but I didn't recognize him. All right, all right. That. Well, the, the cool thing for this is uh, I don't think we ever talked about it on the show, but there's a lot of debate over the timeline of Terminator. That Reese coming back actually changed the entire future and made John Connor go from being the hero of the future to pathetic kid number two. It's true. And so the cool thing for this is it's, uh, it feels like it's actually giving a lot of credence to the timeline jumping and changing because of the time travel already. Yeah, it makes it look super interesting because of that. When when I first started watching it, I was like, oh my god, this is just a remake. Are we, are we really making a Terminator again? And they're bringing back T-1000. Mm-hmm. So, a T-1000, not the T-1000. Right. I'm kind of surprised. I hope that he makes a surprise cameo in the film as well. And, uh, we were talking earlier, T-1000, any version of him could beat any other Terminator. The Cyberdyne 101s, they can't be hurt. Huh? Yeah, I guess that's true. They could beat him any 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 day of the week, unless thought, they get melted. Yeah, I thought well, extreme heat was the issue. Beside that, how often does that show up? Uh, you know what I mean? Or keep it in liquid nitrogen? Yeah, but in order to in order to freeze to him. There. Right. Yeah, that's true. And then you get Demolition Man. I'm on board for that. I do like Demolition Man. <laughs> that's that's true. Try mixing those two things together; it'd be freaking awesome. It'd be wild. Yeah, <laughs> man, <laughs> awesome. Let's see, Snipes and Terminators and 
<laughs> Rocky, Rambo. Totally also. off topic for this. Yeah, like we were on one go. But, uh, I want to say like seven years ago, uh-huh. I went to Six Flags and they had a Terminator ride that was that was based off of the last one. The Salvation? Yeah. Was that long ago? Yeah. And they actually... Uh, wow. I went there again four years ago, and it was gone. The ride was still there, but they got rid of the Terminator part. Right. But it was so cool because you walked in, and there was, like, like the resistance that was fighting Terminators. So you walked in, and there was a wall of Terminator heads on the... Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was really sweet. Wow. And oh. that's, like, all gone. Now it's just a regular roller coaster, but... <laughs> like, this Terminator thing has had its way. We're done. Well, yeah. the coolest thing that really came out of that movie was the uh, Christian Bale soundboard. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> he apologized for that. Someone had to. Yeah. It wasn't sincere. <laughs> no. Yeah, you know, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, at this point, it's just good times on the internet. If you ever want to hear Christian Bale yell at somebody, look it up. <laughs> yep. Uh, anything else, Ross? That all you got? That's all I have. What about uh, AKA Jessica Jones being cast? Oh, mm-hmm. right. Kristen Ritter. Yes, Ritter. Yeah, I have no idea who she is. She looks like a pasty white lady. <laughs> oh man, dark hair. Right. Kind of a uh, generic. I wouldn't say that. Yeah. She's there, a little mousy. There was talks about uh, Luke Cage. Mousy in a good way. Who's Luke Cage being played by? Well, supposedly, the name came up Mike Coulter. Okay. And you look at him, you think Luke Cage. Right. They mentioned other actors. You look at them, they don't look like Luke Cage. You look at him, I can see Luke Cage. Okay. So, so uh, we're hoping that Coulter winds up getting the part. Cause I, he, yeah. he does look the part, I'll give oh, you yeah. that. I'd be excited for that. All right. What else was there? Benedict Cumberpatch actually officially is Doctor Strange. Oh, oh no. it's official? Yep. yep. Officially. Nice. What else was there? Anything on that front? Um, those were only two that I forgot about and remembered when you said something. And I, I talked about three. Three. <laughs> I don't count, apparently. <laughs> if, if you're watching on TV land, The Flash and Green Arrow have had their versus crossover, crossover on the TV shows, so check that out. I have yet to see those, but I'm very far behind. Or good things. Are you caught up on the Constantine show? I missed the last one. I haven't watched the last two. But I, I very much enjoy that, too. What about the Gotham show? You've been watching that? No. Yes. Is it good? <laughs> Are you caught up? Yeah, yeah, surprisingly enough, yeah. I may be one episode behind at this point. They didn't have one Monday, did they? I don't think they did, no. So I'm going to be current. Uh, the whole thing about me being afraid about a Kit Kat one, Kit Batman ha- thing happening, kind of two episodes sort of like that, but not... Out of control, like the way they did it was okay. So as long as it doesn't persist to be that, then I guess we'd be fine. I don't really like the heavy focus on Catgirl. That there's a lot of Stanley Kyle, and she's kind of everywhere. Kind of it hasn't been she's bad kind of though. It's been okay. I haven't mind that. The, the newest turn at the end of the last episode is something that's never happened, from what I remember of anything I've read in comics ever, for poor Jim Gordon, but. It, I, I guess if we're going to try to tread new ground with this, then I don't know. I, I, up to this point, I've been happy with it. Depending on what they do with the next couple episodes, eh, yeah, you know. 
Harvey, we'll the see. Harvey Bullock part seems to be pretty dead on. What oh, you yeah. would, what you would expect? Well, the, the actors are from a, from parts a are good. I mean, younger. Yeah, Harvey Bullock. That the actors playing the part are just fine. And I, I have my doubts is... about the dog soldiers guy playing Alfred, but he does pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, not yeah, it's I not like overdone. Him. It's no, yeah. I like the Alfred's pretty good. I I can buy that Alfred being Alfred from the Dark Knight series. Well, he's yeah. actually the dog soldier guy, but you know, whatever. That doesn't doesn't matter. But it does. No, no, it doesn't. He's Sarge. That that's fine. He does pretty good though. <laughs> yes, he he's good. The guy playing Jim Gordon's good too. The most recent turn, which since none of you've seen it, I guess does it matter to any of you? If I on twelve for everybody on the internet too. It doesn't matter. Okay, so at the end of the last episode, Jim gets demoted to work as a security guard in Arkham Asylum. Which makes no sense. <coughs> at all. Jim Gordon? Jim Gordon. Cross the mayor. Well, the mayor is dirty. Oh, yeah. So As sin. And he's causing problems for the mayor. Right. And Carmine Falcone. And, you know. well, of course. I mean, that's what Jim's whole thing is about. Causing problems for bad guys. That's his whole deal. I think but Smith needs to give his wife I don't, a good talking to. <laughs> I don't understand how... I don't understand how you get demoted to security guard at the at the prison. Does, does that happen in life? Don't know. All right. Well, I, my my thought on that is it would be easier for something to happen to him there, or it could be arranged. Right, but I just don't. That somebody in the comic book lore, Jim has never worked at Arkham, so I guess we'll see what this winds up being. Because uh, you know, I'm not so much a fan of that being like completely strayed. Because it just doesn't fit anything. So I guess if it persists that way, we might as well move to New Gotham, hang out with the Birds of Prey, and just have another terrible TV show. Well, Take that. Say, um, i got to say the Penguins have done okay, too. They haven't, they haven't really focused on Arkham much, either, have they? No, not really. This is the first time we really dealt with it as a place. Like, it's it's been in the background that talked about, but it's never been something that we really dealt with. We've seen it from afar. So I'll give them this is the first time we really get to see it, it kind of close up, but so far we haven't had him work in there yet. That's just where they left the last episode. So for all we know, by the time we get back to the show, it'll that will work itself out. Maybe I don't know. We'll see. Like it, so far, they haven't done bad, but it's treading thin water, thin ice, thin ice. Thin ice. There you go. It's treading thin ice. Right. <clears throat> well, if you walk on that, it's thin. You fall into, the, and then you drowned. That's what, that's what that's what you get. Has anybody, anybody been keeping up with the Marvel show? Agents of Shield. Yeah, uh, I'm maybe two episodes behind on that one, uh, but savor that. Yes, it's been good. I've done some interesting stuff with that too, and I kind of think we're going to be leading from that into the idea of Inhumans. And I'm pretty sure what they're blaming for the serum stuff happening is going to wind up being Inhuman based. No, not not well. God, what are the Inhumans? They are. Terrigen? No. The Terrigen Mist is what is in given to them to transform mm-hmm. them. Oh, they, but they wasn't are... Wasn't the Eternals made them, right? No. no. It was the Kree. Kree, oh, that's the Kree, what I'm looking yeah. for. Kree. They're, they're human-Kree hybrid things. Right. So I, I'm thinking that the blue aliens we've been dealing with, that we see the bodies of occasionally, and that all this super science is supposed to have come from, are going to turn out to be Kree. They, they are. Okay. They've so. mentioned that. At this point, they're Kree, and that would explain leading the Inhumans, because the Inhumans were created by the Kree. Science experiment to take care of man. Mm-hmm. 
So we'll see what that winds up being, but I have a feeling that's what they're going for. And if that starts there, it's only going to pepper throughout to the movies, and then eventually we'll have an actual Inhuman movie. So, well, it's and, way, way down the line already in their movie right. chain. Oh, I was just going to say that way they can get out all the mutant stuff and go around right. that. That's, yeah, do away with all the Fox side of things. And then bring in other superpowered beings without right. mentioning mutants. Take that, Fox. Yeah. yeah. Can't blame them there. Yeah. It is. Well, it's not like Disney is hurting for money. They could they could probably pay the ransom. Mm-hmm. But. <laughs> if they did that, they might as well buy back the Fantastic Four. Oh, gosh. And do it right. Well, I, I have a feeling that this film might be bad enough that it won't be too hard to get the Fantastic Four back. We'll see. Hopefully that's the case. I have a feeling it's bad to get it bought off and not released. Well, they they were talking about so much about they wanted they didn't want to do anything like the first films. They wanted something completely different. Well, they could have stuck with the source material and been completely different. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because it's not been done yet. That's a good point. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's look at football stats real quick, and then uh, we'll move into books. I like how no one else cares. All right. Woo! So uh, Dark Knights. Still in first place at uh, 1501. Followed by Spirits of Vengeance at 1393. Bald as the Brave at 1360. Uh, Emmer, Emmer Beef 1. Gosh, I can never say that right. Uh, 1337. Then we Josh's King at 1329. Uh, the Donkey Kongs at 1261. The Suicide Squads at 1257. Uh, Jake Cadmos at 1242. Knights of Unicron are at twelve twenty-one. So just reverse the numbers. That's pretty good. Uh, and the Inhumans are at twelve oh seven. Well, there's that. All right, only a couple more weeks, guys. Only a couple more weeks. Good times. I think it's. I think it's fun. It's like a place. You can all burn. That's what I like. First place. I am. Yeah. <laughs> right now, I am. I wasn't the entire time. There's a time when I wasn't in first place. I was like, I don't change my team at all. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's why they, but somehow you're in the middle the entire time it's almost. It's done well. Yeah. It's weird. I don't <laughs> think I even picked my team ever. You did. Trust me, you did. Oh, okay. Dartboard. Donkey Kongs. Worked out well. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay, let's go move into uh, Superior Iron Man. Number two. Number two. That's right. So for those of us who didn't pick up number one, uh, Axis has flipped the personalities of a good deal of heroes, including Iron Man, who has uh, distributed a new version of Extremist to everyone in San Diego, in California. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Evidently, he's also decided to take Alcatraz Island to be his new base of operations. Now, everybody who was in town got to be perfect for X number of hours. And then they got the build that's going to cost to maintain that perfection. So basically, Iron Man is kind of like a drug pusher. So he's doing it via like an app, right? Yes. So you download it into your system or through your phone into you, and at that point he pretty much owns you. Drug dealer style. We know at the tail end of this issue, Pepper Potts was talking with a old suit of Iron Man, which talked about a contingency... The tail end of issue one. Yeah. Yeah. It talked about a contingency if Tony was to ever become the problem in his suit. 
So, coming into two, we actually open up with the other denizen of Marvel Comics right now in in California, which is Daredevil. In San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And um, Daredevil's kind of now seeing the crime wave that has started with this demand for keeping extremists going in your body. And winds up stopping this mugging, and this lady's, like, more interested in, like, kind of building her own fame on the internet. Well, apparently she's some type of internet star, so she just tells the kid who's trying to rob her, he's just going to ruin him by putting his picture on the internet. And somehow that, I guess, works, sort of, I guess. We're anyway. We're connected, I guess. But basically, Daredevil's like, this has to stop. And so we kind of see this new gaudy mansion that... Stark is built over his over Alcatraz Island, right? And when he goes to talk to Iron Man about it and how he needs to knock it off and like he needs to rescind all of his stuff with uh, with the extremists, Iron Man just basically throws him off of the top of his building out into the ocean, which uh, is actually a real bad place for a guy who's blind. <laughs> all of all of uh, Daredevil's really unique powers don't work in that situation. And so there's actually a moment where he's he's actually in real danger, and Iron Man never even thinks about it. He just kind of goes back to his party and starts talking to him about how, oh, you know, maybe I set this too high. You know, maybe the cost for extremists is too much for people. Tell you what, I'll do a good thing. I'll give it away for free for 24 hours if you find me tomorrow in downtown, you know, California, or uh, San Francisco. San Francisco. And so he basically makes like a flash mob media storm of all these people that want to get a free taste again of the extremists. Right. And whenever he flies into the city, he winds up being uh, sought out by this older gentleman who is evidently the father of the guy who was trying to mug the girl in the alley. Right. And he's convinced that like Tony is using this to like like it's a new addiction. Right. And then he's a uh, He's basically like a drug pusher, and he needs to stop this this whole situation. He actually pulls a gun on Tony, and Tony's like, well, you're not going to do this anyways. And the guy actually shoots him in the face. It's pretty awesome, yeah. He actually shoots yeah, shoots Tony in the face. At point blank, right? And the crowd kind of goes nuts, and actually Tony grabs him and then flies up out of the crowd, and we find out that even though he has this open window now for his face, it's actually just a transparent steel plate anyways. Right. And uh, he kind of figures out who he is using his computer database, realizes that the whole connection is with the kid in the alley, and he tells him basically, like, I'll wipe this kid off the internet. But you're going to go down, you're going to apologize, and you're going to take the uh, extremist, and you're going to say it's a good thing, because I can't have you attacking my product. Yeah, he basically tells him you're going to go down there and tell you this was a stunt. It's a PR stunt to show off my armor. And you're going to make everybody believe that you like it, and blah, blah, blah. So basically makes him do the drug just to move forward. And what we're seeing is, uh, like, he wasn't even upset that he'd been attacked. He was upset that his product was attacked. Yeah. And so his focus is so much more on, you know, selling and making the money. So, like, there's a, a portion of this that is old Tony, and there's a portion of this that is just a dark level of, of capitalism from him. But when he goes back to the street, and the guy uses the extremos... We see out in the crowd that Daredevil's been watching, yeah. and uh, well, uh, he's been in his own way, he's been listening and hearing the whole conversation in his Daredevil-y way. <laughs> Either way, 
Daredevil actually winds up breaking back into Tony's penthouse, finding Tony all passed out <laughs> in the back of his party, and kidnapping him. And, like, one lady actually sees him as he's taken off with him, and she goes to stop him, and he's like, oh, no, we're just teaming up. This happens all the time. Superheroes do this. It's pretty funny. And just, like, walks out with him on the shoulder. Whenever Tony comes to, he's in a completely blackened room. And Daredevil's basically telling him, like, this needs to stop. You're out of control. We're gonna, I'm going to keep you down here until the extremists have worn off of these people and they can start making their own decisions again. And then we're going to talk about how to fix this. And uh, Tony kind of even congratulates him a little bit in the aspect that he kept him from all of these different devices that Tony would normally be able to use to call the suit. And what he basically tells Matt is that, you know, I don't need to contact the suit anymore. I'm already at the next level. I went beyond technology to biology. And the suit is a part of him like a symbiote now. And the suit actually winds up blowing a door open for him and then bonding with him. And he tases the heck out of Daredevil. And when Daredevil comes to the next day... He wakes up in his apartment, and he opens his eyes, and he can see. And Tony's there with him, basically telling him, like, now you get to try what this great product that I have is. We're going to see what you think about seeing the world in a new light. There's an interesting little piece at the end of it, and it may be just that Tony's hungover, but he's also wearing glasses at the end. We're starting to see the more that he's activating the extremist stuff, the more his eyes are starting to become more and more shiny, so I'm wondering if it's more and more being taken over on him, and that's why we're seeing the glasses, but I might be reading too much into that. Yeah, it's hard to say. But they do have a lot of cool stuff at the end of it with the different designs that they were thinking of for the new <laughs> like Superior Iron Man. Yeah. But yeah, Daredevil with eyes, or Daredevil with the ability to see, pretty crazy. I don't know, yeah. if, I don't know if Matt can turn that down, but... Tony's definitely... I guess it depends on how it affects him, because, like, what makes him as badass as he is is this whole different way of reading the world. Mm-hmm. So with that new element, it, eh, it kind of takes away from the others, you know? And it's kind of hard to say, but uh, I'm sure we'll find out before long. Anyway, uh, Rob score book? Uh, you know, I actually really liked it. I didn't think I was going to be a fan of the Superior Iron Man series, and this was a great story, so I'm going to give it... 3.5. Okay. Um, is your mic? Meh. Uh, you know, I've never been a big Stony Stark fan anyway, but we'll give it a 3. Mr. Ross? I'm pretty much in the exact same boat as Mike. I'd give it a 3, too. 3, also. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Curtis? Well, usually anything Tony Stark starts at a two. I just don't like the guy. Never have. Uh, I'll give it a two and a half. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing that it does have going forward is land isn't drawing in. I'm assuming so. Well, it had the inclusion of Daredevil, so that can, <laughs> only, that can only improve it. Right. <laughs> Man, did you see Spider Woman? Looks awesome. Daredevil. But Greg Land did that one. Mm-hmm. The new series. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me score this book before we get into that nonsense. Uh, so, Superior Iron Man, first issue is pretty good. Uh, it is definitely a weird thing, what's happening. Um, but it makes Tony more interesting, just in general. There's been a bunch of the random stuff that I've read. But, I mean, like, um, as far as Iron Man's concerned, uh, 
Yeah, I give it a three and a half also. Like, the art's pretty... It's, the art's okay. Like, Tony occasionally looks weird. Not out of control weird. And I like the idea of whoever this other armor is going to wind up being, if it's a sentient version of the armor, or if it's another person in the armor. Because I originally thought it was going to be Daredevil. Apparently that's not the case. So, uh, we still don't know who that is, or who would be that closely connected to be able to try to take out Iron Man. So... That looks interesting, and uh, I don't know, this whole idea of Daredevil's eyes being fixed, uh, I'm interested to see where that goes, too. So, anyway, yeah, I know, he's, so far it's been interesting. I still think Rocket could tear him apart, even if he is the superior Iron Man. Rocket could still uh, well, I'm verbally, sure he, uh, verbally abuse he, him. He could submission. verbally attack him, but this, <laughs> this version of Iron Man's a lot more likely to stomp the rodent. Not that I don't like Rocket Raccoon. You called him a rodent. I did. He doesn't like that. I know he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't like to be called a raccoon either. Though. No, he doesn't. Boom. Why is your name Rocket Raccoon then? Right, well, that's what, that's what he is. I think his name's supposed to be Rocket. I think we call him Rocket Raccoon in order to make sense of it. That's how he's named in the database, I guess. But everybody in the movie and in the comic books calls him Rocket. They don't ever call him Rocket Raccoon. Does anybody call him RR? No? I don't know. I don't know that. I don't think anybody it's calls good, him RR. Good question. Mm -hmm. Next time we see him, we should ask him. We was out there digging in your trash. I'll do that. With the gun. Don't ask him when he has the gun because he gets angry. Don't ask him with a gun? No, well, that too. <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> that too. That too. He didn't get a chance to reply. <laughs> uh, poor, poor sorry bastard. Uh, okay, so Curtis, move on to the uh, Wolf Moon. There you go. All right. Wolf Moon number one from Vertigo, written by Colin Bunn, drawn by Jeremy Hahn, colors by Lee Lowridge. I believe that's how you say it. Anyway, <clears throat> we open up in Dover's Creek, Kentucky, uh, Hunter's Moon. And there's a group of about three people hunting something with dogs, trying to find out who killed the cows. Uh, there's con some conversing with them, and uh, we kind of see the dogs take off barking. And they run into a giant damn werewolf. So on the second page, we get the first glimpse of the werewolf, which doesn't happen a lot, but... No, it's pretty. It's pretty brutal too. Yeah. The way that they, he caught one of the dogs. Yeah, he tore it apart. Yeah, it's a mess. It jumps right in. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the hunters kind of take after the the big nasty werewolf, and this is the kind of werewolf that I like. That looks like a wolf. So, right. Yeah. The art, the art, art, art is pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, the werewolf quickly dispatches of them by uh, slashing arms off, opening some uh, some bowels, and wait, that sounded bad. Yeah, yeah. Disemboweled. In both senses of the word. And uh, bites another <laughs> hunter. And there's a, a nice little, like, exposition where it says, the wolf doesn't just reshape flesh and bone. It reshapes lives. So we kind of got an idea of, of this is a continuing thing. And uh, we flash to uh, a nice little scenic house in Rockford, Illinois. And uh, there's a gentleman on his computer, and his wife walks in, and she's like, you're leaving? You're already packed? He's like, yeah. He's got something to do. He's going to go hunt something. And he's got his computer open, and we see a bunch of, of uh, like, grizzly attacks, incident in Kentucky, wolf, cattle mutilation, all those kind of things. So he's kind of getting on the trail. And uh, we find that he's got a past with werewolves, and he's kind of a hunter, and he's got uh, uh, scratch marks. Uh, what yeah, are they called? The Scars? On one side of his face, like claw marks, yeah. So she's not terribly happy about it. And uh, we learn that his name is Dylan and her name is Casey. And uh, he leaves knowing that Casey's not happy at all. And she's worried that she's going to get the news, man killed, uh, so on and so forth. Right. So then we cut to actual Dover's Creek where this 
initial incident happened. We've seen a bathroom. There's a dude kind of washing up in this uh, uh, eatery place. It's kind of night. And uh, the owner's trying to get him out of there, and we see him transform. He's locked the door, and we see him transform into a werewolf. Right. And he busts through the door and kind of takes out the, the owner, and uh, a gentleman and his kid were there at the restroom waiting, and they go into the front room, or the dining the room. Eating, yeah, the eatery. The eating, eating place. <laughs> called dining room, yeah, he's right, third time. And uh, he's carrying his son, and he kind of gets... Uh, kind of gets taken out by the werewolf from behind. And an, another lady attempts to stop the werewolf, and she gets a sliced face and a lot of carnage in this book. Yeah. But it's not done for shock value, I think. It's actually lends to the story. Yeah, I think so, too. <clears throat> anyway, the, the werewolf makes it outside through a window, and uh, he's ready to attack somebody else, and the little kid walks out, and the werewolf goes over to the little kid, and we see a truck kind of plow into the werewolf into another car. It's kind of sandwiching him. Uh, it doesn't stop the werewolf. And we see that the driver is actually Dylan, so he's made his way from Rockford to Dover's Creek. And the werewolf gets up and, and kind of strikes at him through the windshield and takes out the windshield. And uh, Dylan gets his gun out and fires a shot out at the werewolf and kind of lances his shoulder a little bit. Uh, knocks the werewolf back, and uh, Dylan climbs out of the car. He sees that the the shot has already started to mend itself and he's using silver bullets so it's a little sting on the werewolf and looks like he just got kind of pissed off and werewolf gets up and continues to maul all the onlookers that are there and we <laughs> see uh, Dylan kind of has a, a shot at the werewolf but he can't seem to pull the trigger well, he said something <clears throat> earlier about it recognizing him yeah whenever he pins it between the cars mm -hmm. so there's some history there that we're not certain of right now and the werewolf kind of uh, lifts a car to block the bullets. So it's not just a savage kind of werewolf. It's actually got some thought. Right. So he's blocking the, the bullets with the car, and he dis disappears. So then we see Dylan back in his truck, and he's uh, got a spotlight out looking for this werewolf. And we see some flashbacks. And uh, we find out that Dylan kind of explains how a werewolf isn't, it's not passed through a bite or a scratch. It's just kind of picks people. There's and there's no rhyme or reason to why it picks these people. It just does. So it's it's not like a virus, so to speak. It's kind of like an embodiment, and a werewolf takes hold of these people. It's kind of like a, like maybe like a parasite type of thing, right? Jumping from person to person. And uh, he just that's kind of explained through a few pages, and uh, we kind of get back to a shot of the the guy who turned into this werewolf in the morning times and his name is Kyle and uh, Kyle wakes up in like a bush and he's throwing up and he goes into his house where we assume he lives mm -hmm. and uh, he's kind of opens the door mom dad and he's taken from behind we see a shadowy figure and then a hand over his mouth and we don't know who takes him at all and then we see that uh, uh, Dylan's kind of at a gas pump talking with his wife again saying that he's okay, and she's still not happy about it, but he's okay. And finally we see at the end page the person that had their hand over the mouth of the werewolf has like a j heart in a jar, and he's got a collection of them up on a, on a shelf. And w I presume the person that he took is on a bed, and he's been cut open, and his heart has been taken out. And uh, 
that's pretty much where it ends. Yeah, if I remember right, there was a, a little thing where Dylan was talking about how the person didn't really matter that much when it wasn't the werewolf. Mm-hmm. Because of it being able to jump from person to person. Right. So he w- didn't have any interest in chasing the person down. Right. Just yeah, the because wolf. they really can't help them anyway. Right. Yeah. They didn't have any... But evidently somebody thinks they can. Right. And he's collecting hearts. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if that's where this may uh, originate, you know? It's but possible. The other thing that um, that I'm interested in as well is that when Dylan leaves... He makes sure to tell the wife, like, oh, well, tell this person if I don't come back. Yeah. So I, I kind of feel like that's like a mentor. Mason. Type guy. Yeah. Or, or yeah. somebody that may have also had this werewolf problem. Mm-hmm. And, I, uh, I kind of wonder, ultimately, if this guy that is his connection here might also be the guy who's still in hearts. Right. It could but be. I don't know, you know. I mean, there could be a number of hunters, too. And yeah. he may be another hunter that's <laughs> trying to... Maybe he's hunting the person while Dylan's hunting the actual wolf. Yeah, so. and it comes across like he's he's pretty frazzled because he knows he's limited. He knows he's limited on time because of the lunar cycle. Mm-hmm. I believe he said was well, he had three like days. three days. Yeah, to track and the it person down. doesn't know anything about it, and but they remember right what they what happened. So, and I I'm kind of thinking that that Dylan did have this same problem because the flashbacks were of killing a a female and, and somebody else. So I'm guessing he saw it through the eyes of the wolf as well. I'm thinking that maybe he was the wolf at the time. Right. So he's 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 killed a number of people in his mind that he's seen. He has no ability to stop that or do anything. I wonder if it's like being trapped in your body without being able to do anything about it. Maybe. Kind of like in a coma. Yeah. But uh, I'm not sure about the girl. If she's either been a victim or if she's been... Because she, she knows exactly what he's doing. She knows, she's privy to it. Yeah. So... She just kind of wants to be like, oh, you don't have to go save the world yeah. this time. Yeah. Let somebody else do it. But Kind of like you would think every wife would be like at that point because they don't want their husband to die or maybe get infected again by it. So well, I guess yeah. we'll learn more. As, as the books come out. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a while. That's true. Curry score book, go. Uh, unlike Tony Stark, <laughs> if it's a werewolf, it's automatically a four to me, Jeez. and I base it from there. So, uh, awesome opening issue, a, a different take on the werewolf mythos, and sure. I think that's what Colin Bunn was shooting for, so um, I'm going to give it a 4.75. Okay. <laughs> Love the art. Jeremy Hahn's the man. Yeah, I'll, I, I'll give you that. Yeah, Jeremy. Jeremy's an awesome artist. Lawfridge isn't shabby as colorist either. No, no. no I, it brings a dynamic to it. It's very, very good. Good palette. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, you know, I'll give it a three and a half. It was, it was good. It was an, it's an interesting read. It's, it's horror movie esque, which I mean, that's the whole deal, I guess. Um, Hans Art's good. I mean, he's everything. I mean, he did all that Batman stuff before, and he did Darkness, and so the dude's he's not he's not new to art as far as that goes. But I, you know, the setup wise was interesting. Uh, interested to see what they do with the rest of it. Um, the idea of a werewolf being more of an entity that moves between bodies, definitely different. So, And I wonder if this is the only one, or there's more than one entity that's doing this? It's hard to say, yeah. There's a lot of questions, so I guess we'll see where they go. But yeah, that's a, it's an interesting take on the werewolf... Uh, what do you, mythos? Mythos, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob? You know what, I really enjoyed it as well. I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did, actually. 
I thought it was a really unique, fresh take. I love the look of the of the werewolves. Mm. And, I mean, even though it's a lot of, of gore, I think it was done tastefully, if mm-hmm. it can be. So I'd say 3.5. I enjoyed it a lot, so. Well, Mr. Mike? Well, it's uh, kind of tough to, with all the werewolf stories over the years, it, I, I'd imagine it's pretty tough to come up with a new twist, but he did, they did. Pretty interesting one at that. Mm-hmm. Um Looking at the cover, I was expecting something completely different. Mm-hmm. I was expecting more of a, it could have been uh, more uh, uh, a magical, twilightish kind of thing, just based off the cover, but we all know better. <laughs> right. Uh, I really enjoyed it. The art's great. The story started out really, it's pretty, really, really cool. He could do a lot of things with it. So I give it four and a half. Because, like Curtis, I'm a, I'm a werewolf nut too, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, four and a half. He's solid four and a half. Ms. Ross? Uh, I like werewolves, too. I'm definitely up there. And I do really like the idea of it being the one werewolf that switches between bodies. Uh, Art's really good. I would give it a four, probably. All right. Good, good. Uh, Is that one a miniseries? I want to say it's a six. I thought it was four. I thought it was six. I'm not sure. I think it's six. Okay. Anyway, um, all right, so let's uh, move on to Justice League 3000. Four wouldn't be enough. That's all I'm going to say. I'm done. I'm done interrupting. Forever? Awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let's do, do we, well, do, yeah, let's do Justice League 3000. Okay. Number 12, Ross? Yeah, big thing about Justice League 3000, right, from the cover, is that we have classic Booster Gold and Blue Beetle back. So not New 52 Booster Gold, but mm-hmm. like classic Justice League International Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. Um, done by the original team who did Justice League International. New artist, but original writing team that wrote the original Justice League International stuff. Um, and it gets started actually right there. Um, Booster Gold and Blue Beetle wake up in the future. They've been... Chirogenically yeah, frozen? Chiropod or something. Yeah. Cryogenically frozen? There we go. That's All what right. I was looking for. Um, wake up and they're on a prison planet. Mm-hmm. Which, if you're a Legion fan, Tekron Delcho, Delcos is it's the prison planet that they use all throughout oh, the is Legion. It? Oh, really? Superheroes. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and basically, just regular Booster Gold and Blue Beetle shenanigans. They're told to stay there, so they immediately go off trying to find um, Booster or Blue Beetle's kind of hidden layer of stuff that he has. Which, yeah, under the Cord Industries building. Or? Yeah. Which, is this actually Earth? That's what we discovered when we came to Tekron Delco's mm-hmm. in probably issue five or six, mm-hmm. is that it was Earth, and now it's a prison planet, and it's like the worst cesspool you can think of. Yeah. So it's like Australia. Mm, except for I mean, I the didn't entire planet. Pool, right? <laughs> Back in the day. Prison, <laughs> prison planet. Yeah. But this is the remains of actual Earth. Okay. Um, yeah, they were told to stay put by the sheriff who actually awakened them. Yeah. Tariq, or what, whatever his name was. Mm-hmm. And he's actually a character that we've dealt with before in the Justice League 3000 storylines okay. as well. So so anyway, they, uh, they wake up and they're observed by another man. Mm-hmm. In a blue beetle outfit. 
<coughs> a rather husky man. Yep. Husky, not husky. Um, beer belly, maybe? Yes, yes. Uh-huh. And uh, he said that his dad found the suit mm. and a bunch of the tech mm. when he was mining. Yeah. And uh, that's why he's wearing the suit right now. Yep, just some random guy that found all the stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they made it sound like they tolerate him because he goes around and busts criminals. Well, he's on a prison <laughs> yeah. planet, so yeah, yeah, that's they not just kind of shine him on and say, like, right. yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's the impression I got. Mm-hmm. So it's a prison colony, really, because everybody's out and doing their. Stuff. Yeah, it's just it's yeah. weird. It's strange. Yeah, you can't you can't leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So anyway, what do they do? Uh, they do eventually find one of Ted's hidden layers, and it happens to be the one that the the other guy that's running around in his costume has already found. Mm-hmm. They find his bug, and he's Ted's like, well, it looks like they did some... Uh, improvements. Improvements. I think he says he's not a big fan of the look, and it right. says, I don't really like the look, but I'll take it. And as soon as they go to get in it, they, of course, run into the other guy yeah. that's dressed like him. There's um, only room for one blue beetle. Yeah. So. I like that they make the comment of uh, Ted asks, he's like, I don't even know how that guy fit in my suit. Yeah. And, uh, Booster Gold's like, well, remember, you were about that size once, too. You went through a husky phase. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I'm sorry, I guess I'm dredging up everything. That, that actually came from the whole point where Booster Gold and Blue Beetle were the first to face off against Doomsday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Blue Beetle was punched so hard that he went into a coma for, like, eight months. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, they, this new Beetle is not like the old Beetle. The, the Husky Beetle? No, the, the Beetle Pod. Beetle okay. Ship. It actually looks more like, yeah, it's like a like giant a head pod. And a thorax and yeah. big articulate legs, and, and the dude goes after him. Yep. Good timing. <laughs> Anything else you want to bring up? No. Um, they, it's really funny, like, dialogue-wise. It's hard to represent it good, like, talking about it, but if you read the book, the Booster Gold and Blue Beetle do have some really, really funny dialogue between the two, like mm-hmm. they always have. Yeah. Well, didn't somebody in there make a comment, somebody that was watching them, that make this, they sound like an old married couple. Yeah. yeah. They, oh, they bicker like an old married yeah. couple. Yeah. And they've been together for a long time. So they're back and forth on each other the whole story. Mm-hmm. And it's, right. pretty, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yep. Very very classically written, and it's from the original team. So yeah. we've got a good understanding of Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. Yeah. I'm real curious to find out how they're actually going to tie into the rest of the yeah. 3,000 kind of team. This will probably be two, two and done. You know, I've actually I've read an interview with Giffen and DeMattis both. Mm-hmm. And they say that they're going to be around for quite a while in oh, this really? book. That they're going to be, those two in Fire and Ice are going to be like um, like a secondary team that they'll focus on in the book. Mm-hmm. So the regular Justice League 3000 will be the main group, but they also have the old JLI as kind of your secondary group to go to, too. That's cool. Well, I read the first few issues of that book, and it's mm-hmm. it's different. I mean, Superman is such an ass. You know what it is? You you got to get past the first six or seven issues, and then there's this huge reveal, and yeah. all of a sudden you're like, oh, I get it. Yeah, and then it's crazy. Which I don't know. It I, You probably didn't get past this. I don't know if you got past it or not. But the reveal basically is 
they didn't just harvest DNA and poof, we have Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman again. They found the memory files, some of the DNA, but then they splice them into other people. Mm-hmm. So the whole reason that we have these wild personality differences and the inaccuracies with the Flash was that they they have a standard human that they actually put this DNA into mm. to create the new Justice League member. Mm. Yeah, and so that's why Superman and Batman are button heads, and it, it's it's kind of funny. I mean, it's it's a nice balance. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. What is it? Superman's a jerk because he doesn't really remember being Clark Kent ever. That was the original like take on it, but the uh. reality is like they're not quite. Everything. Right, yeah. You know, they're He's just very like arrogant and full of himself. Mm. They're like memories, but they're jammed into somebody else. Yeah. And I guess, like, almost a gag in it is the Flash dying, uh. and then them making another Flash. Yeah. And then the Flash dying, and then making another Flash. Mm. Yeah. Does he remember it every time, or? I don't I believe it's so. Just to restart from the, the memory files. The Flash much. right now is actually the twins that started it. It's the girl. So she actually, she didn't even erase her mind. She just kind of took took in his powers, yeah. There you go. Yeah, it's definitely worth reading some of the back issues. And like you said, I would read them pretty much all together if you can to kind of get a better... Probably seven on. The the trick is, is that, you know, I think a lot of people started it and they just went, oh, they're just weird to be weird. Mm. But... It was actually a bigger story arc. Than, it was done than well. Knew. What I read of it was really done well. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, a Wonder Woman's just a, a beast. Yeah, she just, just all she wants to do kill. is kill. I mean, it, it's it's pretty cool. Isn't Cadmus pretty prominent in it too? Yeah, Cadmus has its own research planet. Okay. And so um, Cadmus is responsible for most of the JLA. Or Justice League of America. And that's where there. the Wonder Twins work and built made them, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, like, you have a whole corporate planet. So, how'd they end up on the prison planet? Well, when they first when they first encountered it, it was a reality bending villain. It was part of the big six that they were against, who sent most of the Justice League there. And that's what they were created for: is to fight the this villain group, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The big six. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as for Booster Gold and Blue Beetle, they've evidently been there in cryo for who knows how long and so it's just like they just were discovered in the last issue the very mm-hmm. last pages of that so and it's kind of funny because they don't remember how they ended up doing that either and i'm thinking it's probably going to be some classic booster gold and blue beetle thing where they were just messing around and right. got frozen for a thousand years oh, oh my gosh like the fry scenario yeah we, <laughs> we do find out that booster gold's legion ring was taken oh okay so he can't fly yeah so, I'm saying, and Skeets, and Skeets is gone. Yeah. Uh, those are also odd things. Uh, that makes me question their lividity. Uh, so you basically have just two regular guys. Yeah. That neither one of them have any of their, their powers or anything. That's right crazy. Now. Oh, so he must have lost the force field belt too. Yeah. And they yeah. and they mentioned that they were, just two regular unsuper powered humans. Mm. Huh. Mm. All right. Uh, Mr. Ross, score book. I'd give it a four and a half. I really liked it. I'm really glad to be back to classic Booster Gold and Blue Beetle, and they're written really well and act just like how I'd expect them to be. So, yeah. And the whole 3000 story is awesome, too. I'm excited to see how that'll work in the play. Have you been reading the whole thing? 
Um, I read the first couple, and I took a break. And before I read this one, I read all my past issues. Also, you have them all. Mm -hmm. Guys? I'm I'm interested to see where Fire and Ice come from, if they were in the same cryopods where they were. Right. Um, I'll give it a four. Like like Ross, I'm a huge Blue Beetle Booster Gold fan, so it's good to see him back in action. Didn't they not mention, sorry, but did they not mention, somebody mentioned there they're working on an Injustice League? That was, I think that was prior. The previous issue, the same guy that me brought, that's creating Justice League members, decided that he was going to make the Injustice League to fight him, basically. Uh-huh. So it was Bane, uh, Sinestro, Lois Lane. I'm kind of hoping they explain what the deal is there. Zeus. Could it be the CSA Lois Lane? Wonder Woman? Maybe. Superwoman? Oh, I didn't think yeah, about I that. Ask, Maybe. I to ask about that, because that, that right there interests me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That well, looks pretty cool. So yeah. a Grodd, maybe, or... No, there's just five of them. Oh. Yeah, right now. I think he's also trying to build his own Justice League again, too, and so I'm almost wondering if that's where... That's crazy. ...where Blue Beetle and Booster Gold... Right. Because in the book, they mention that they dug him up, and the guy's like, why should I care about this? And the other one's like, well, they did say they were members of the Justice League International. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like... You know, they're just, like... Mm. Yeah, so I'll give it a four. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, no worries. Um, I like the way the art looks. Uh, it's been interesting. Yeah, initially I, I kind of had the same feeling that it was weird that they were just weird super versions of other characters. But the reveal for it makes a big difference in the stories. Um, and I give it a three and a half. It's it a fun enough book. Um, I like how it's completely separate. And if this really does turn out to be pre-New 52 Booster Gold Blue Beetle, what does that mean? You know, does it mean something, or is this just another book that's by itself? Right. So I don't know, I'm interested to see that, and with this whole collision thing coming on, uh, I wonder if that has anything to do with that. I really, I think it's, it's I, I think it's its own thing. It definitely yeah. is pre-52 Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. Which is crazy. Rob? Um, I give it a 3.5. I've, I've enjoyed the Justice League 3000 storyline. It is got moments that it's pretty weird, and it's it's worth sticking around for that first arc to really sell it. And then from there, like, you know, a lot of their adventures are actually really, really good. Um, I'm super happy to see him back. I love Blue Beetle, and Booster Gold is one of the characters I really liked. I, I didn't really have a problem with his new 52 interpretation, but if we can have both Blue Beetle and Booster Gold from the old universe, that's the way to go. So, looks like a, a nice new starting spot for this series, and I think it's going to be really strong. But, you know, if, if you're coming in for them, go back, pick up the old issues, because it's really going to be worth it. This is Mike? You know, like I said, I started out reading, I think I maybe read the first two or three, and it was it was, a, it was entertaining. Um, and this one, because I enjoy the old characters, too. Um, and just uh, everything about it, and I know they're mentioned of the Injustice League, like I asked about, that definitely has uh, gained my interest just to want to see it. Mm-hmm. I'd give it a four. I enjoyed it. All right. Let's move on to Hellboy and the BPRD, 1952, number one. Is that the whole title? That is the whole it's title. It's a lot of words. It is a lot of words. Not quite as much as Superman versus Batman, Dawn of Justice. Yeah, yeah, it's, but it's true. I like to add extra words on that move. 
All right, well, take us through there, Rob. All right. This is actually going back to a part that I don't think they've done a whole lot of explanation for for BPRD yet, which is kind of not the foundation of BPRD, but the beginning of Hellboy's, like, a field agent. And so it takes place in 19... I think 50... Let's see, it's 1953. Yeah, there we go. 52? <laughs> Duh, because no, it's, it's on the cover. Yes. We learn more about Hellboy's basically father, Stern, and kind of his connection to building the team. And we also get to see this kind of like immortal little girl that's a part of the BPRD stuff later and how she's giving information off. Um, the first kind of um, real information that she's passing is about the reawakening of... Rasputin, You're right. Way back in fifty in uh, forty two, and uh, we kind of see his trepidation of what Hellboy could be, because he could either be this force for good or he could be the nightmare that'll bring everything in down. Right. Um, from there, they actually introduce our four new BPR uh, field operatives. Right. And they're talking about sending them over to Europe to deal with. Uh, well, not, not to Europe, I'm sorry, to Brazil, yeah, to deal with a, a supernatural occasion that's going on there. And they're kind of being really shady about what it actually is going to be. Yeah, they haven't really revealed what the actual mission is, but they know they're being sent to Brazil, and none of the agents seem very happy about it. No, and along with that, Stern wants to send Hellboy with them. And I guess the, at least the lead guy on the team is all about sending him or having him be a part of it, but we see the other characters are kind of a little bit more nervous about taking a supernatural entity with them in. Right. But uh, they kind of have to get everything together in a quite a bit of hurry, and at least one of their team members is definitely playing for both sides. They make, yeah. a, they make a big point of him uh, making a call out to his uh, superiors and that there, there's an opportunity for them to try to acquire Hellboy again. At least that's what I got from the call. Yeah, that, that's basically what it is. It is. It's not very long. I mean, like maybe one sentence, but that's basically what he says. And then we also get to see kind of a little bit more of that relationship between Hellboy and Stern and like how Stern feels that Hellboy has to get out in the world and actually live for himself, but how worried he is about what that could be. And like they make kind of a thing about how they don't say goodbye to each other. Once we get finally over to Brazil... We kind of get to know everybody, and we kind of start seeing that there's certain people that have more of a, like, a down opinion of Hellboy, and they kind of treat him like he's an outsider, like he's not quite a part of what their group is. But we also see the characters that are going to stick out for him and want to be a part of his life in there. And we get to see this uh, this castle that's been turned, that was originally turned into a prison that's now evidently supposed to be haunted, or a source of a lot of supernatural stuff. Well, you uh, talk about being the old the old living castle that got converted into a prison, and yeah, it's being it's being used basically to torture people. From there, we wind up uh, meeting with the kind of a small, like like it's an old lady and, and her child, I assume, that live across the street from a, an abbey, right? And they're the ones who are putting them up, and we kind of get that there was some friction between the old lady and the preacher. The preacher didn't think that they needed to rely on outside help. Yeah, the priest is pissed because he, well, he's mad at her for calling them in because they're outsiders or because they bring Hellboy with them. Um, he, he's more, I think he's more missed because he just felt like the problem would fix itself. And not so much just because she asked for help, but because she asked for help from them. Yeah. 
So, and it also sounds like she doesn't think he's uh, got the faith anymore to right. fight to fight this battle. We also kind of see that they have a little bit more of a relationship than just preacher and like lady that lives across the street. I think. Right. So, we build this whole story up, and you know, as we end it, we're definitely going to be going into some kind of a very big supernatural thing. But it's a thing so. So dangerous that the lady and the people in the town don't really even want to talk about it after dark. Right. So, I don't know. It's a great new starting spot. If you've never read Hellboy before, this is a great way to go in. If you've only seen the movie, this is a great way to go in. Right. And it actually has terrific art. Uh, Mike McMillan is doing the writing for it. So, great, great spot to start Hellboy if you haven't been reading it yet. Right. Uh, Robin Sparrow? Um, I really enjoyed it. I'm gonna I'm gonna probably give it a three. I enjoyed the story a lot. It's definitely setting everything up, but I mean, perfect starting spot for a Hellboy story. Right. Um, is it Mike? I've read some Hellboy, you know, like the Midnight Circus, uh, various uh, Hellboy stories here and there. Some of the Ape Sapien stuff, Lobster Johnson, obviously. But I've always liked Hellboy. Um, we were talking earlier. Curtis and Ross, I'm kind of afraid to read Hellboy because then I'm going to want all of it. <laughs> right. But uh, this was pretty good. Um, like Rob's saying, it's just, it's like the beginning. It's the very beginning, right after they've they've taken him in and they're going to turn him into an operative. Um, so, yeah, that's really cool. And the art's actually that's pretty decent. Um, I'll give it a three. There's Ross. Uh, I agree pretty much completely with Rob on this one. Um, I like Hellboy a lot, too, and this does seem like it's a really good starting point. Um, yeah, probably give it a 3-2. Right. Okay. I'm going to go... I don't like Magnolia's art, never have, but his writing's spot on. And uh, these books are right up my alley, but like uh, Mike said, if I read one, I'm going to read them all, and it, it hurts. But I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it a three. It's a good starting spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd fall asleep with that. Um, I don't know. It, it, Mignola does a lot of research with with the stories he writes, and like if he can base if he bases them around real legends or whatever, that he 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 does that kind of stuff in the stories. So it, I'm interested to see what this winds up being, um, just in general because of that. Uh, you know, I, I would say his art is an acquired art, but he's not doing the art for this one. So, at least not yet. And I don't, I don't think this many series he will. Cool thing about BPRD, generally they go in five, six part arcs. So, as far as stories are concerned, it, it's, it's good to have a new, new spot just because it's a new team. And I don't necessarily know if we've seen any of these characters before, Saber, Hellboy, and the Doctor. Um, so, it, it, not even, not, not that I'm aware of at least. Yeah. But I wouldn't say I'm the end all for Hellboy, so. Anyway, yeah, I give it a three as well. Like I, I liked it. Um, it's it's, inter- it's interesting. There's a lot of untapped potential there because I I haven't read the very beginnings of the Hellboy when it first mm-hmm. started, but right. there's a lot of time there that he has to work with. He he could do a lot with this. Well, yeah, as far as the series is concerned, I mean, it Hellboy's been around for a while, and like he ages different than everyone else around him. So we have more modern stories, whereas this one, the year setting for it, may be indicative of whatever is going to happen or whatever they're fighting. So legend-wise, I don't know anything about Brazil. 
Uh, it's quite possible there's something to do with the legend during that time frame in Brazil. Yeah, and I have this another thing I wanted to mention is that throughout just the Hellboy stories I've read, like Dave Sapien stories, the locations he picks right seem very they're very particular. They're very yes, and they're very they sound like very real. Everything is like detailed. It's like right. like you were saying that the guy obviously does do his research. Right. We have very authentic else. is the word I'm looking for. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good place to start, too. I mean, as far as books are concerned, just because it's early on for... It's prior to Hellboy having relationships with all these characters, so... I mean, yeah, he seems to know the the quote-unquote leader of the group, the Mick guy, but that doesn't really mean anything. So, as far as Phil operative work or whatever, he doesn't, they're not really... They're all new characters, from what I understand, at least. Anyway, and if, not, and if nothing else, it's the beginning of the development of the characters, per their work with the Hellboy, I guess. That's like the same thing over again. Anyway, uh, so let's move on to Angela, the uh, Asgard assassin, or Asgardian assassin. Is that what, number one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> from, from Marvel Marvel Comics. Uh, Phil Jimenez has worked on this with Kieran Gillen. Okay, so basically we, they open up, there's a good little paragraph on the front that gives us a synopsis of her whole deal. I mean, she's Asgardian, never knew she was Asgardian, but raised in the Tenth Realm, um, which is new to us in general and to the Asgardians, I guess, at least Thor and Loki. And uh, she's Odin's daughter, so their sister. Anyway, she basically vowed to kill <laughs> anyone from Asgard that confronted her and told Odin next time she saw him she'd probably kill him too. And that's pretty much where she left and then went back home to the Tenth Realm. Well, the Tenth Realm people don't so much like uh, the idea that she's from Asgard, now knows she's from Asgard, and they basically exiled her. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, she's not really in a happy place. Um, anyway, we open the story in this, what looks like a, a vast nothing wasteland, and she's carrying this baby. And the, the way everything's written is very, uh, like, uh, bard-like or ode-like. It's... It's basically the description of what she's doing, but it's kind of a, I don't know, it's like an old storytelling style way of doing it. Uh, but basically goes with her owing a promise to someone, and apparently the promise is carrying this baby through to this wasteland to some other friend of hers. Anyway, the entire trek, she talks, it talks about how she doesn't know what to believe in or what to not believe in, or if owing a favor is really worth owing a favor, and... She talks about how the angels work on trade, and that's the only way they really work. So if an angel gives you a promise, it's because they expect something in return. It goes over that quite a bit later on through the book, too. Anyway, she enters this city out in the, uh, what do you call it? Uh, limbo. Out in Limbo, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's basically a bunch of ruffians. You know, you've got head-shrinking-looking people and uh, other, I don't know, ragabash types. She gets into the city, and uh, she's confronted, of course, by a group. And she immediately starts asking, starts asking them for the other one like her. And uh, initially, most of the guys are like, we don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, the other one like me. And uh, from there, she basically gets ready to take them all out. I, 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 that's what I assumed she was going to do. And uh, she hears the voice of her friend. who tell, who tell And she turns around. Her friend's standing there with this giant, like, demon-looking horse. Yeah. With Six-legged m- horse. multiple legs. She's like, oh, I've just been playing cards and winning. And she tells her about how she won the horse, and then she names the horse, too. Uh, Maximus Klopp. Yeah. Because he has six legs. 
so the two of them start talking. We basically get an explanation of, um, maybe it goes a little farther. She she tells she tells her she thinks she's been followed, and of course we see she's been followed by what looks to me like Asgardian, maybe robots because they're all dressed like Asgardians, but they all have crazy glowing eyes. And I don't I don't actually know what they're supposed to be. If they're supposed to be from the tenth realm, or if they're supposed to be, I don't think they really go over it. Mm. It's just whoever was chasing her that she's taking taking the baby from, or is trying to protect the baby from. Anyway, so she basically gives the baby to her friend, tells her to watch her, and that she's going to take these dudes out. And uh, one of the little troll guys that was there is like, oh, I don't know if she can take all five of them. And she's like, oh, they won't even see her coming. She's really, really fast. And she tells him the story that she always tells everyone about Angela. Sparing the life of a boy who was uh, involved in a giant battle, and his all of his people were wiped out. And uh, she let him live, and then saved him. But doing a favor as an angel, you automatically owe the angel a favor. So basically he owed her life. And uh, she told him that she would come to collect it someday, even though he was a young child. She winds up explaining to the people she left him with to raise him that uh, she one day would be back for what she, what she was owed. And the whole time the story's going on, she's taking these dudes out and basically just dismantling them. Like, a matter of seconds. Like, she rips the hell out of all five of them. Beheads two of them with, with the axes. Awesome looking. So they talk about the space battle a little more, and then uh, you see her leave the boy with these people to raise, and then she they talks about one day she went back to the boy. Now, the boy has become a king, and whether that's because of him being raised by the right people, or because of the influence Angel, Angela had on him when he was a child, it, it made, drove him to the height that he was at. We're not really sure. Um, but when she returned, it turns out that our f Angela's friend was a prisoner of his, and she had killed some of his people, and he had, was sentencing her to be, to be killed. And Angela instead asks, tells him to spare her, and that his debt would be paid. And of course he denies her and tells her, oh, she's killed my people, I, I'm people I'm supposed to protect, so I can't, I can't let her go. Sign of weakness, I can't let her go. And Angela tells him again, well, if you let him go, you're, let her go, your debt will be paid. And he refuses again, so she pretty much kills him and takes her anyway. And that's pretty much where that ends. <sighs> anyway, so she, she winds up taking her friend from them, who's been tortured and beat up, and carry, she carries her out. I assume at some point she must make a promise to her, so she must owe Angel Angela something also, but it's hard to say, so we don't really go over that so much. Um, anyway, by the time we get into the book, we wind up finding out that uh, after she's dismantled these, arm, these, these knights, um, all of a sudden, some other people were following her and the knights, which is the Batch of Guardians. So here's Thor uh, with the Warriors 3, and they're all here for Angela. So, that's where the book basically wraps up. Oh, there's one more catch at the very end. Oh, was there another? Yeah. Oh, right. Okay, they're there for the baby. Like, you know, how did I forget that? Mm-hmm. Uh, we wind up seeing the baby, and the baby's got black death stuff leaking out of its face. Like, its nose, its eyes, its mouth. I hate when um, happens. It's, yeah. uh, yeah, it's pretty, it, it's pretty crazy looking. When I say it's supposed to be the heir, the new heir of Asgard. Right, so would in theory be her? It looks like a boy, little brother. Maybe? So little brother, or yeah, it's hard to say what it's actually supposed to be. An heir of Asgard would make it be like another one of Odin's children, but then who's the mother, and where did it come from, and what promise did she give who, and why did she have it in the first place? Yeah, crazy. 
just just crazy. Yeah, I forgot about that. How did I forget that part? God. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's a lot of craziness at the end of that. Book wise, I don't know. It's pretty. It's action adventure. I mean, the battle between her and the the guys, the hor- the knights on horseback, the the robot looking ones. Uh, pretty good fight. I mean, it's pretty quick. The explanation of how angels work in general is it's it's a little odd and kind of a lot to take in, but uh, I don't know. Book wise, pretty good, but it's really set up-y. I like to close at the end. I mean, the art's great. It's Philomena's, and he's awesome. Um, I give it a three and a half. Um, was, I I thought it was entertaining. I'm I'm, inter- I'm really interested to read the next book, but I also liked her back when she was basically a hellspawn killer. So, uh, you know, Rob, I'd go with three and a half as well. I. I enjoyed the story quite a bit. Uh, artwork for it is great. I'm interested to see what she's going to be, what, what this baby is, and why it's important. But yeah, she's an interesting new addition to uh, to Marvel. But it is definitely a very setupy kind of book. So yeah, that, that's true. Uh, I, I like her as an addition to Asgard too, just the way she looks. I don't know, she's got a cool look to her. Mister Mike. Well, as far as Angela goes, I'm pretty. Eh. Look warm about it. I could really take her or leave her. Um, I wasn't a real fan of the when I heard that they were going to tie her into the Asgardians. But what else are they supposed to do with her? You know. But right. I, two and a half for me. I'm just not. You know, she's just not my thing. Yeah. Ms. Ross, I'd give it a two and a half. I like the art. But that's about all it has going for me. Curtis, okay. I'm going to give it a three. Um, not my thing, but I love Asgardian mythos, and it's just adding her to it just doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. So we'll go three. Yeah. Well, I'm interested to see how they're going to wrap that all out. I I know that they did a big spot with it in Original Sin, which I have not gotten to wrap up yet. So some of that story might be actually connected to the Original Sin stuff. Yeah, I, don't remember, I don't remember how much of her was in. Oh, I guess there was that side book the, yeah. with the brothers. Ah, I forgot about that. I don't know if I... Yeah, I didn't I didn't finish that either. It'll be interesting to see how how she fits in with with Asgard, especially now with Thor Odinson and Thor being a part of that story, too. So. Oh, right, with the female Thor. But you know who's not there? Huh? Thor. Oh, Odinson's right. there, but no Thor. So then we've got Thor Odinson with his robot arm, but no Thor, girl Thor, hmm. power Thor Thor. It's a lot of Thors. Yes. Oh, yeah, it is. No Battery, unfortunately, either. So. Well, man, he's... call him Thor afterwards, too? Yes. Battery Thor? Thor? We call Battery him Horse Face Thor Horse Face Thor, yeah. yeah. That's true. So. so, no Horse Face Thor, unfortunately. I'm sure he's out battling whatever he has to battle in space. That's true. Horse facing it up. Thor, 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 Thor. <laughs> he's, hanging out yeah. with, uh, he's hanging out with Nova, last we saw. So. Oh, that's right, yeah. In the, mini- yeah, in the Nova series. Well, I'm sure he's not hanging out there anymore. Anyway, um, all right. So interview-wise, I'm pretty sure we have that we were just talking about him earlier. Really. Yeah, Jeff Moy um, from San Diego Comic Con. So we'll go and run that thing. Uh, Jeff's a friend of the store. I think the first time we really dealt with him was out. God, you, me and you have seen him like every year we've been out to San Diego. Yeah, sure. But uh, we got to spend some time with him out in uh, Nebraska too. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. Um, him, and, him, and his brother Phil are both pretty cool guys. But I think Jeff's probably the one I dealt more with. Than, than Phil, I mean, generally they're together. So and Phil's got the different art styles. So. Yeah, well, yeah, he's got he more Cartoon Networky style. 
and Jeff would be more, I don't know, Legion of Superhero style. So, yeah, I guess that more fits what most of us normally do. Anyway, uh, not that that matters whatsoever. Both of them are cool guys. Anyway, so this is going to be the interview with uh, Jeff from uh, San Diego 2014. Roll that beautiful footage there, Ross. Rob and Steve with Top 5 Comics Podcast, and we're talking with... Jeffrey Moy, and my uh, website is www.artboymoy.blogspot.com, and then uh, I previously worked on Legionnaires for DC Comics, and I worked on the Star Trek Legion of, Legion of Superheroes crossover for IDW. Uh, currently, I'm working on um, stuff for a university on some uh, educational video games. I'm also working on uh, training manual illustrations. Cool. So nothing really exciting, but you know, hopefully I'll get my uh, I'll be able to dip my toes in comics uh, once again soon. I don't know. Actually, some of that sounds pretty interesting. Like, the, the training video games? They're not training video games. They're uh, this is a uh, this is kind of like a training manuals. Okay. I mean, they're separate things. It's like, yeah, okay. I, the training. So so I'm a freelance. I'm totally freelance now. But, yeah. So that means I just have to dig up work wherever I can. Right. Which, so which the, can be super tricky. Yeah, of course. You know, it's like you're either starving or you're like <laughs> doing too much work. You know. Right. So uh, so so right now I've got the kind of like these these three things going on. Okay. Um, over at the University of Wisconsin. I'm working with a, uh, a group that has uh, grant money to produce these, a, uh, their uh, educational games uh, dealing with the awareness of sustainable technologies, you know, so okay. to help the environment out, you know, to keep, keep our, you know, waters clean and, you yeah. know, make sure that pile, trash doesn't pile up too much. So recycling, uh, rain barrels, heat wheels. Heat wheels are things I didn't even know about, so... Oh, wow. You know, it's, like, it's like, you know, it's like turn, turning down your thermostat, you know, and just throwing on a sweater, you know, to save, save a little energy, you know? Right, right. So, like, go green type stuff. That's, yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, man, that's cool. Yeah. It's fairly interesting. Yeah, it's not stuff I have no idea about either, actually. Right. So there's that, and then the, the training manual stuff is uh, separate, and uh, they're pretty much like uh, scenarios that you would encounter in, like, either a police... Uh, situation or a correctional facility okay. situation or even like nursing homes and hospitals and stuff like that. Oh, that's okay. cool. Okay. Yeah. Just like stuff guides for people as far as like training. Yeah, training. pretty much. Okay. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, what would you do in this case? Right, right. So I think it, it might be used for uh, like uh, interview purposes and stuff like that. Right. That's cool. So whenever, when you first started into comic, like what made you want to start comic books? Um... I mean, what made me want to be in comic books was you uh, know reading them. You know, it's like all those stories with Spider-Man and from Fantastic Four, and uh, I mean those those you know those, they were some of my favorites you know back then. Do you remember a particular book that you were like, this is what I want to do? Is there even ever a book that made me say this is what I want to do? Yeah. No, no, not really. Not not any specific book. You know, just, just kind of new. Just just kind of you know you're just kind of sitting in school and you're just drawing, right. and then you know you're drawing into margins and then it's like. Hey, you know what? What do these guys do to get into these books? You know, how do they get to tell these stories? And so it's just it's just about you know kind of educating yourself on on um, the process, you know, and then just drawing 
drawing a lot, <laughs> you know. Did, right. did you have anybody like kind of brought you under their wings to kind of ease you in, or? Well, I mean, I, I went to I went to Northern Illinois University, okay. and because um, because actually, uh, so so in high school uh, there was an art fair okay. um, for the art students and stuff like that. So they brought in professionals from uh, various places, and one of them was Mark Nelson. Uh, he did the uh, the first black and white alien series. Oh, okay. Back in the eighties. Yeah, mid eighties. Yeah, mid eighties. So, so, um, so he did his talk, you know, for our for our class and stuff like that. And then um, he, we found out that he also taught over at Northern Illinois University. You know, he taught illustration. That's cool. So you know, I mean, so so during the talk, I mean, there was that, and then uh, and then you know, it's just a matter of saying. Hey, you know, why not try it? I mean, in the, in high school, we were taking art classes. Sure. My brother and I were taking art classes right. and stuff like that, you know, like any other student, you know. But we kind of geared ourselves more towards, you know, comic-related stuff. Like, you know, in, in ceramics, I built a, a Hulk statue, you know. So, <laughs> so, so it was, it's, it's all, you know, it's always been kind of building up towards that. Because uh, my parents, own, they own restaurants and stuff like that, then... You know, I've been working at restaurants since I was 12, so, you know, so it's like, well, let's try this and see if this goes off, and, you know, it's like the restaurant's a nice fall, uh, nice fallback position. Right, right. Well, it gives you something to do if other thing didn't work or whatever, but, I don't know, man, you put on some talking about stuff, actually. Like, I like a lot of your stuff. Oh, thanks. Like, Legion of Superheroes, just, I just yeah, like yeah. I like that a lot. I mean, they, they were fun. It's like the Legion of Superheroes, or Legionnaires, uh, the, that, that was just a fun book, and, and uh, I'm I'm glad you know I was able to stay on it as long as I did because because you know I never really got tired of it. It was right. it was just it's just you know people are you know other artists they may be you know afraid of drawing this like huge group of superheroes, but but it's what what it does is it keeps it fresh because you're not always drawing them all the time. It's true, you, know? you got a bunch of people to choose from. Right, right, and then so so different stories can have a different flavor, you know, depending on which characters you're dealing with. Right. If, if you gotta do anybody else, like any other series that you could, you could want out there right now, what would you like to do? Um, oh God, I never really thought about that. <laughs> it's like typically series that I'm really into right now already have an art team that I'm really happy with. Yeah. <laughs> so what what series do you really like right now? Oh, right now, well, I mean, I'm I've been a big fan of uh, Stuart Eminem's work, you know. So okay. he's he's been doing all new X Men yeah, for the longest time. So you know, that's like that's that's that be fun, that's kind of like one of my favorite books right now. Um, I'm not sure what else. Uh, God, I mean, I read a lot of books, but it's like I don't really remember a lot of them either. You got a buddy Curtis who's just like that. He reads a fair amount of books. We read so many that they get. Yeah, yeah he doesn't I mean, I mean, the thing also is that you know, it's like the way that they tell stories nowadays is very different from when you know I was growing up and reading comics. So. Oh, even five years ago, it's totally different. Yeah, it's like I mean, everything's this epic event now, and it's like, oh man, I just want to read a book with just. This character, you know, and, and their life, you know. I like they have just a story about one character instead of everybody and their cousin. Yeah, everything's almost too linked together now. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it makes for a bigger world. It's true. It does, but you know, it's like it's it kind of just like this character. I don't want them talking to this, these other characters all the time, you know. If you're stranded on a desert island, what five items would you take with you? 
God, you know, you can't do this to me at a convention because I, I just man. can't think nowadays. Proper <laughs> planning, throw out okay, the window. Okay, all right, all right. What five items would I take with me? Uh, well, you know, I watch like Survivor Man, so you know, I take like that utility knife. Uh, right. Depending on what kind of island, a machete would probably come in handy. Yeah, all right. Um, you know, if if it's a fictional thing, you know, a transporter to get off the island. <laughs> you know, and, the, and, and, and the power source too, you know, do it. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, actually, how come people just don't say, hey, a boat? <laughs> yeah, well, that would be four, yes. <laughs> but we kind of solved the problem along with the transporter. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I think if we had a transporter, I'd take the transporter though. It's a lot easier than the yeah. boat. Yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> so I guess you really don't need the other four, you know, you just have a transporter. So. It'd just be nice to have though. Yeah. <laughs> you lived in a fantasy land, would you ride on a chocolate pony? Ah, chocolate pony, huh? Nah, nah, it's too messy. Yeah. If it gets in the weather and gets wet, then it's just going to melt. It gets wet, yeah. It's, it's hot, it's, it's gonna hot. Melt. You know, if I'm riding, it's going to get hot. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, because, you know, there's a lot of friction there, and you just don't, you know, you just don't want that going on down there. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Awesome. Thanks, Joe. We appreciate you talking with us, man. Uh, no problem. My pleasure. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Right. And let's do some uh, books to watch. Curtis? Uh, Flash Gordon. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, original Sin number one is going to be coming out from Marvel. Uh, the the uh, annual that they did with Original Sin uh, was pretty up my alley, so... Keep an eye out for that. Dealing with the guy before the guy? Yeah. Nice. Uh, east to West, still going strong. It's lost a lot of steam fan-wise. I think there's so many good books coming out that people forget about other books that right. are awesome. But. Well, they took that spot off when they put out the other trade, and they're, they're, they're going to get back to it, I want to say, next uh, either this month or next month. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I can understand what you're saying. Um, that's all I can think of right now. Oh, the Star Trek Planet of the Apes crossover. Uh, that's coming out pretty soon, too. Keep your eye Pretty open awesome. for that. All right. And, uh, Ole. Ole. Mr. Ross? Batman and Robin, like always. Look for that one. Um, I'm really excited about a lot of the convergence stuff they're doing, actually. Right. So hopefully some of that will be cool. Stuff in February? Or is it in February or May? When does that stuff come out? I, man, I want to say February. Okay. I could be wrong though. I'm not entirely sure. I don't. It's two months long. I can't. I don't remember when it's supposed to start. Hmm. Uh, Mr. Mike. Well, it's like Curtis was saying that uh, there's so many books coming out. Um, there are a lot of books that kind of get lost in the shuffle. They're kind of like going on in the background. And Legendary Star Lord is one of those, and hmm. it has been solid, issue to issue. It's been really good. I'm enjoying it. Hmm. Um, Black Science, obviously, Deadly Class. Um, Witches, and uh, I'm hearing a lot of good things about Outcast. They they just started filming their uh, pilot episode. Is that what you're hearing? Yeah, because that's yeah, pretty I much what's that. going on. I had heard that actually. Um, actually, the Justice League's kind of gotten me, gotten my interest back. Justice League books kind of starting to fire up again. Yeah. So. Mr. Rob, there's a lot of a lot of really good stuff going on right now. Um, Avengers has been crazy, and I feel like they're closing in on 
a chapter end for that, but they are going to be going through a new retelling of like the Secret Wars in Avengers. So it might be really worth taking a look at that. Alright. Um, let's see, book-wise, gosh, man. Copperhead's still good. Mm. I look forward to that. Um, uh, Legendary's, uh, what is it called? The Apocalypse. Yeah, I love that book. Awesome. First issue was great. Ah, <laughs> uh, gosh, man. Tooth and Claw, mm-hmm. still pretty good. Uh, I think that's all I got right now. I don't, can't think of anything. Anybody else. mentioned Birthright? Oh no, I like that one too. Birthright, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I still like, definitely like Birthright. This uh, installment of books to watch is very image heavy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, this because they have new books like every two months. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, once, once we get that way with Image and Marvel, or with Marvel and DC, then nothing will go past 12 issues, and Ariel will um, just have number ones all day long. There is another one to really keep an eye on, which is Fantastic Four, Four No More. They're going to do a patented Marvel number jump, but this may be this close to actually ending the Fantastic Four is where we're going to get. So... It's definitely something to watch. Who, who knows what they're actually planning, but it could be a really big landscape changer for Marvel. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. That's an interesting thing, too, not just character-wise, but, like, movement-wise, just for the company. Um, also, Spawn uh, 250 is going to be interesting, so... And Jack wants me to mention that the new issue of Inhuman has the reader and his dog making an appearance. Number so. nine. That's a, that's a surprising choice, considering. Did that come out today, or Wednesday? I think so. I don't know, ask Jack. <laughs> I want to say issue ten, right? I'd like to eat it. Nine. Nine, <laughs> all right. Nine! No, you go back to Germany. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think that's right enough. Tiki? Tiki? Tiki! Tiki!